0: Behind the Knife, the surgery podcast. Relevant and engaging content designed to help you dominate the day.
1: Welcome back to Behind the Knife and part two of our Dominate the Match series. I'm Jessica Millar, one of the new Behind the Knife Education Fellows and a PGY 4 general surgery resident at the University of Michigan. In our last episode, we talked about the application process and the nuts and bolts of applying for general surgery residency. Now it's time to move on to everyone's favorite part of the application, the personal statement. I don't know about you, but when writing my personal statement, I was met with anxiety, writer's block, and a lot of red ink. As medical students and senior residents across the country prepare their personal statements for this upcoming residency and fellowship application cycle, we wanted to go over tips and tricks for writing a solid personal statement. So today, once again, I'm joined by Dr. David Hughes, endocrine surgeon and residency program director at the University of Michigan. And in addition, we're joined by Dr. Gifty Kwache, colorectal surgeon and surgical clerkship director for the University of Michigan. Thank you both so much for being here. All right, everyone's favorite, the personal statement. Let's start by going over the basic formatting and bones of what your personal statement should include, starting with how long should your personal statement be? no more than a
2: page long. <laughs> I have like a short attention span. And especially when you're going through a lot of um, applications, it can get really bogged down having to read through like even if it's one and a half pages is too long. So I think short and sweet gets to the point, you know, it doesn't have to be a novel, it doesn't have to recount your entire CV. It just has to just give a fair representation of who you are, your interest and why you want to do surgery. That said, I like a good hook at the beginning, and I love it when the hook ties in at the end. So when it comes full circle, it's really great. But you don't need to go out of your way to create a hook that seems very artificial at the end of the day, because then it just breaks the whole thing up. But short, sweet, if you can get a hook, nice. If not, just leave it.
0: Yeah, I totally agree. It's gotta be one page or less. Um, Most people have three to four paragraphs. Primary components of it is should talk about why you're interested in surgery. I think it's really important uh, that, as a program director, I know that you're kind of committed to, to general surgery as a career. Having some information about your proven successes that could be uh, in clinical realms, research, volunteerism, global health, outreach, uh, anything that really uh, uh, showed your ability to be successful and be a leader uh, is important. Um, It's nice to know what you're looking for in a residency program as well. Uh, Each residency program is a little bit different, um, and programs are looking uh, to create a class of residents that have a little bit of something different in each one of their uh, residents. So, and then uh, the the final thing is maybe talking about where you want to end up in your career. Uh, What particular things are you going to bring to that residency program that maybe other people couldn't?
2: Yeah. And I'll just emphasize that I absolutely agree. I think what you don't want to use the space for is to explain to us what general surgery is about. Like what is a general surgeon? And people go through all of this stuff and it's like, I know that already, you know, so why don't you use it to tell us more about you and then what you are bringing to general surgery. So you can skip all of that and just go directly to that aspect.
1: Yeah, I think that that is absolutely great advice, especially the short part of it. I remember when I was applying, people telling me, you know, surgeons oftentimes don't have a lot of time. So you got to make the most of kind of a smaller space and actually keeping it short was, I think the hardest part was trying to figure out how to say what I wanted to say in a way that was meaningful in a short space. Um, And I think that was actually the part that I struggled with the most, but definitely great advice. I think everybody wants to stand out on their personal statement. Everybody wants to write the best personal statement that's ever been written. What do you tell students? Do you tell them it's okay to not stand out? Is it okay to not have the absolute best personal statement that's ever been written?
0: Uh, I would agree with that. Um, Don't try to be a poet or a literary uh, genius if that's not you. Don't be weird. Don't bring up topics that tend to be controversial Um, Just tell us about yourself, and it's okay to be bland as long as it's grammatically perfect, um, has no errors, uh, and talks about you and primarily you.
2: I would say the only time to maybe stand out if if it's an issue that is extremely important to you. So um, I'll use myself. I am a Black woman in surgery. Diversity is important to me. Being in a place where I feel supported is. And if that is something that will help me decide where I end up matching on my rank list, then inserting that somewhere into my personal statement so that the people who are considering giving me an interview know this is valuable to me and it can help me sort out in terms of which places offer me interviews, then I would say it's okay to say that. But then again, you just have to be careful in terms of how, if it's something that is not as and key to your happiness and your well-being and your ability to thrive in a particular program. And I'll say, don't put it in the personal statement. You can field it out later on during your interviews. You could talk to other residents. um, So you can get a sense of that through other means and not necessarily having to put it all up front and center in your personal statement. I think when it comes to such issues, it's important to talk to your advisors just to get a sense of what things are good for the personal statements and what things should you just like investigate outside of that. But generally, bland is good. In this area, bland is good. Good hook, bland, middle. (laughs) That's okay.
1: You bring up a really good point, Dr. Kwachi. Students ask all the time, you know, this is something that's really very important to me personally. It's a huge part of my value. Should I include it in my personal statement? And I typically will tell students that, you know, these things that are important to them, You know, they're okay to include in your personal statement, especially too, because maybe it'll be a turnoff to some programs, but maybe those aren't programs then that you want to go to. However, the one thing I I do want to bring up is if you include it in your personal statement, it is fair game them for them to ask about it on an interview. So people have asked me about, you know, should I bring up things regarding family planning, gender identity, health issues? I think all of those are okay to include. If they're very important to you and if they kind of help kind of tell your story, which is essentially what your personal statement should be, but you should be prepared to then have somebody ask you about those during an interview. If you put it in your personal statement, it's like you're inviting them to kind of talk about it. So I would also consider that too. Is it something that you would be okay discussing in person? You guys have read through a ton of personal statements. Are there things that you would typically recommend maybe not including in your personal statement?
0: You know, a a very common one um, is the fact that an applicant had a revelation when they were a very, very young child that they were going to be a surgeon. Being a surgeon is is a, a professional choice and one you have to make when you're a pretty mature adult. Um, So it's okay to have a a little bit of inspiration uh, when you're growing up that you maybe want to be a physician uh, or seek out a career in medicine, but you need to make sure that the uh, choice to do surgery was the one that was mature uh, and based off some interaction, uh, you know, during undergrad, during medical school, as opposed to just an experience of going to uh, the physician uh, when you were a child.
2: Yeah. I think that uh, some of the stuff that. It's a little bit of a turn off for me, particularly uh, when students use the personal statement to speak badly of other specialties. So I did not go into this field because people go into this field are XYZ and then they say it in a very disparaging way in order to say surgeons are like excellent and on this pedestal. So I don't really like that. I also don't like it when they identify as a particular individual and speak badly about them. Be it like, you know, I don't want to be this kind of surgeon. I want to be this surgeon. And then they go on and on about a particular person they knew. Because you think about, we shouldn't encourage bad behavior, but at the same time, the personal statement is not the place to grieve or air like some of the issues you have with individuals. And we're always looking at, uh, uh, to see once you become a colleague or a resident in training, how you're going to feel and interact with other people you're working with. I've also read a few personal statements, which are like a slasher movie. You know, it's like they go into real gory details about being in an OR and blood splitting all over the place and on the wall. And it's like one liter of blood. And it's just like, oh, my gosh, (laughs) I like surgery, but I hate horror movies. So then right then I'm like, this is too gravid details for my liking. So you could tone it down. Again, we know what surgery involves. We don't need to paint a bit of the picture for us. And um, so I think those two things, like you don't need to bring anyone down in order to lift yourself up in your personal statement. And it doesn't need to be as detailed um, in terms of like, you know, especially the operative cases.
0: Yeah, I, I would agree with that. I, I see a lot of uh, personal statements that spend a whole paragraph talking about a specific interaction that the student had with a particular patient. Those interactions are important and they do kind of frame who you are and why you make the choice to be a surgeon. But don't spend the majority of your personal statement going through a patient presentation or the operative approach. Uh, Spend it talking about you.
1: I like that. Something that brought me a lot of anxiety when I was uh, writing my personal statement was letting other people read it. To me, it felt it was very personal, and I was always kind of nervous letting other people read my personal statement, but I knew that I needed to let other people read it. So when you are kind of advising students who should be reading their personal statement, and how many people should be reading their personal statement before they finally send it off in their final ERAS application?
0: I think it is important to have multiple different viewpoints, because if you have five people read your personal statement, you'll have five different recommendations on how to change it. Ultimately, it's it's your decision about which one of those things to include, uh, but it needs to be people that you trust enough to give you formative, sometimes negative feedback about the structure or the content of the personal statement. Um, I'd highly encourage uh, students to seek out some faculty members that have also read a lot of personal statements, and um, it, it's okay to have friends read it, but probably more uh, kind of people that can give you some professional advice. I typically also recommend once you have a nice finalized version of your personal statement, uh, give it to people that you love um, because they really love to read those things. Um, Your parents will be super proud of you when they read about you uh, through your personal statement and uh, your loved ones will as well.
2: I love that. I absolutely agree. They always think the world of you wants to read it. Like, oh my gosh, look at all you've accomplished. And this essence of pride definitely comes through. And I think your loved ones are also the ones who will be able to tell you how true to you is the personal statement because as dr hughes said over time the more people give feedback over time it can evolve and become very very distant from who you actually are in the story that you initially set out to tell so your loved ones can always bring you back to that like how do we maintain the you in this whole thing and how do you stay true to that and i think that should always be in your back of your mind um Because as you get all of those feedback and revisions, we can't help when we give advice to people to insert a little bit of ourselves and how we think about stuff and we approach it. And we would tweak things to become more like us instead of more like you or how it's supposed to be. So just keeping that in the back of mind. I hope that makes sense.
1: Yeah, no, I think it totally does. I agree that the more people that can read it, it is helpful just because a lot of different people are going to be reading your personal statement over the course of the interview season. But having loved ones, having family members kind of bring it back to you, I think is really, really great advice. What are things that you guys have noticed that have really just kind of maybe helped students or certain personal statements just really stand out?
0: Yeah, you know, I love a good story that demonstrates an applicant's ability to either respond to a diff- difficult situation, kind of exhibits their level of resilience, uh, shows how they were a great leader, how they were able to be adaptable, all the different um, attributes we see in good residents and good surgeons. Um, if they can uh, bring up some examples during the personal statement that shows that they have done that in real life, uh, those things really stand out very well. And, and, and there are things that we're going to ask the applicant about during the interview. Um, you can almost guarantee You're gonna get at least several questions during the interview about specific things that you mentioned in your personal statement.
2: Yeah, absolutely agree. The resilience thing is huge because surgery that definitely is awesome, but it tests and it stretches us in so many ways. And you just want to know that someone has gone through some stuff and has learned from the process and it's made them stronger and they are resilient for that. So just picking up on that on the personal statement is great. I think. Again, having a good story is always great. Not a story that outlines your entire history, but some of something around where your values come from. And it could have been something that came up during your medical school or during one particular experience or an interaction with someone. Or some people talk about their family and then something about that that inspired them and then gave them this sense of like who they wanted to be and what they wanted to do. I love the last paragraph, just reading what people want to get from a program, but more importantly, what they want to use, the training they receive to do. How do they want to change either their small little corner of the world or the greater world in general? I think that's something as surgeons, we are called not only to operate, but also to lead. So how is that going to show up? And so I, I definitely, the last paragraph for me is the first and the last for me the hook. And then the last paragraph is just like, what are you going to do? What are you going to do when given the opportunity?
1: That's great. That's really, really great. With all this great advice, hopefully this will help a lot of students kind of as they're working away through their personal statements. The one last thing I want to touch upon, that's also an important part of everyone's application that I don't know if I really appreciated was a huge part of your application until I was actually on the interview trail or your letters of recommendation. Who should students be asking for letters of recommendation? Should these be research mentors, clerkship directors? What's the right mix of people to be asking for letters of recommendation?
0: I think most applicants have three to four letters generally. Several of those letters need to be from surgeons or the specialty that you're applying into. Uh, And they need to talk about your ability to perform as a sub-I, as a clerkship student uh, in the clinical space. Um, those should be people that you rotated with either on the clerkships or the sub-eye and can really kind of speak to your medical decision making, your communication skills, uh, your ability to work in a healthcare team, uh, all those things you do uh, on a day-to-day basis as a surgery resident.
2: And I'll say: um, you know, your letter writers are advocating for you. That is the importance of the letters of recommendation. They are saying that um, we are vouching for your integrity, your resilience, the fact that you'll be able to, like, with the right nurturing and investment, you'll be able to deliver at the end. And so choosing people who can write a strong letter and asking them if they will write a strong letter of recommendation for you is important. There is something to be said about asking people who are well-known, whether in the institution or nationally and stuff. I do realize, though, that for some of our listeners, they might be in programs where they might not have faculty or general surgery faculty or other surgeons who do uh, know nationally and internationally. So that does create a little bit of like disparities there. But I would say whatever institution you are coming from, identifying be the program director for your residency if you do have a resident, your clerkship director, someone in a leadership role within surgery who should know you. So it shouldn't be someone random who hasn't worked with you, but someone. And sort of finding that balance between someone who knows me and can speak to my values, but someone who also has a title that then can advocate and sponsor me is going to be important. And for some students who I advise to come from smaller programs, I do encourage when they go on away sub because usually most of them will aim to go to an away sub in a larger institution from where they are, to try and get a letter from one of their uh, sub facilitators there, because the reputation of that program might help them. A little bit. It's unfortunate that we have those disparities in place, but it's just finding that sweet balance between someone who knows you, but also someone whose name can carry and advocate for you in a certain way.
1: I think I get that question from students a lot. You know, is it better to ask somebody who maybe knows me super, super, super well, or someone whose name maybe goes a little bit further in the field? And it's always a kind of tricky balance. Ideally, you'd have somebody who's both, but that's not always the case. Something else I get asked a lot is, especially in students that have done a lot of research, maybe they've done like MD, PhD, or they've done a master's program. Is it okay to ask somebody who's a non-physician for a letter of recommendation?
0: I, I I would think that's fine, as long as the experience the student had with that person was very, very meaningful and over a pretty prolonged period of time. Um, A lot of students are doing uh, extra uh, years, like gap years with research. Obviously, they'll spend a lot of time with those people. They get to know them very, very well from an academic side of things uh, or a volunteering side of things. Um, and sometimes those are the best letters. They can uh, kind of talk about the how the applicant uh, is in social situations, how they uh, interact with a diverse group of workers. All those things are super important as a surgery resident. So if I had to choose between a letter from someone who wasn't a surgeon that really knew the applicant well versus a surgeon who really only you know, worked with them for a week or two, uh, I would choose that other letter in a heartbeat.
1: The other letter that most students will seek is whoever the chair of their home institution department of surgery is. Is that absolutely necessary? Do you find that applications that don't include that? Do you feel like something's missing? Do students absolutely need that letter from their chairman?
0: I would say if you come from a program where every other applicant from your program has a letter from the chair, um, you should probably try to get one too, that way you don't stand out as an outlier. Um, If you come from a program that doesn't have that as as kind of a traditional thing, it's fine not to have a letter from the chair. But if you have worked with the chair and know them, that is probably a nice letter to get. So it's not an absolute necessity, I would say.
2: I'm thinking about last year, some of our students, um, when they were going through and then doing their research about programs, uh, it seems as if some of the programs are not requiring the chair's letter, but I think the default, you should assume that they will require one, unless as you're doing your research, there's a specific program that states that a chair letter is optional. And those are very, very few programs. You know, if you are going to get a chair's letter, Just make sure that it's one where you've provided a chair um, some information to put into the letter. And what I mean by that is sending a copy of your personal statement and your CV. Um, If your chair doesn't do this already, asking for a meeting so you can spend like 30, 45 minutes talking to them and letting them know why you're interested. Just sharing a little bit about yourself so you can fill in and give them some information that they can then use to adapt or change your letter of recommendation up such that it's not just a standard template because a lot of chairs would just issue a very standard letter for everyone we want to make sure that your letter has a little bit more about you such that to say your chair is advocating for you and not just for every single student that they have on their um,
0: program one thing I've seen become a little bit more common over the years is this group letter uh, where there's a letter that comes from the chair, the clerkship director, the program director as a group, uh, and they uh, can talk about their particular applicant from uh, multiple different sides of things. So those uh, may be an option at your institution. You'll just need to ask around and see if that's the case.
2: And sorry, that reminds me of one other thing um, that we're seeing also is where you might have, it's typically it's a junior faculty who knows you really, really well and has worked really well with you. And they can speak to a wide range of who you are, but they don't have that name factor. And so sometimes you see these combo letters where it's like a junior who can speak combined with a named person who is sort of like helping to promote and advocate for you, but doesn't know all the nuances that make up you. And so they do this joint letter. I think that's also another way to go about it.
1: That's really, that's a great idea. I certainly ran into that issue and I was kind of thinking about who I was going to have as letter writers and I kind of wish I had thought of that because I think that's a really great idea. Something that students also ask me a lot is, should they be tailoring their letters of recommendation for certain programs? I know when I was applying, people were like, oh, well, I have to ask a letter from this person when I apply to this particular university because they did their residency there. And this person, I'll use their letter for this institution because they went there. Do you find that that's very helpful or it doesn't really matter? Should students be asking them for lots of letters of recommendation and tailoring it to their specific applications? What do you guys think?
2: I'll go with this one. So (laughs) I did that when I was applying. I would not recommend it. It was a huge headache. It was such a huge headache. I was so stressed that I was going to assign the wrong letter to the wrong program, Uh, you know, so just mix it up that way. And then you are counting on the fact that whoever's letter you're assigning to a particular area is well-loved and well-favored in their institution. You never know that. All you know is that they might have done their residency in a place, but you never know what their reputation within that place is. And so I I wouldn't recommend it. It's too stressful. I think um, it looks really bad if you open up a a letter of recommendation and they have the wrong program um, name in there. It looks really, really bad especially if some of these small cities where there are multiple programs and you're like, oh, you really wanted that program, but somehow (laughs) I ended up here. So, yes.
0: I would agree. I don't think it makes a, a big difference about where that particular letter is coming from. It's the content of the letter that's much more important.
1: The last thing that's kind of stressful for everybody is, you know, you're asking for letters from really, really busy surgeons. And unfortunately there is a hard deadline to all of this. So how do you kind of politely But affirmatively encourage people to make sure that they are submitting things on time, that letters are coming in kind of maybe even ahead of a due date just to make sure things get done. How do you kind of approach that if maybe somebody's kind of cutting it really close to a due date?
2: And that's that's a tough one. I, I would say personally, when students ask, I love if they ask me way in advance, you know, as soon as they have some inclination, they're going to ask me to let me know then. And sometimes it'll be several months out which typically, because I'm so busy, I probably would not write a letter then. And so then having a reminder, sending a reminder email, what some students will do is that they'll send an updated CV. Um, So again, maybe two, three months, they'll send an updated CV for me. And they're like, oh, here's what I've done since then. And um, please let me know if you want to meet up or you need more information as you write my letter. And then they will send the e issue a link And if once you complete it, I think they can see that you've submitted your letter. And so if it's not showing up, the very diligent students will send reminders and they will do it. It's not, I I think as a a faculty, I'm not bothered by it. Actually, I appreciate the reminders because it's just so much on my plate. And sometimes it's not I don't want to do it. It's just that. I forget to do it. And so sending the reminders is helpful and very, very welcome. And then also that line, is there anything else that I can do to help? Is do you need more information? Uh, do you want to meet up like folks who do that? So I appreciate that.
0: I, I always appreciate when the student uh, that's rotating uh, on the service says, you know, at the end of the rotation, I was thinking, hopefully we can meet up and talk about a letter of recommendation. Um, it's nice to know that that ask is going to be coming. Uh, we expect it. It's it's part of our job and something we enjoy doing and writing this letter of recommendation for our own students. But uh, again, those reminders are important. Uh, when you go to meet with the uh, faculty to ask for that letter, uh, make sure you're prepared. Be prepared to talk about why your student surgery. Come with a personal statement if you have one done. Come with a CV uh, if you have that done as well. Uh, it really helps the letter to get you to know letter writer and get to know you a little bit more.
1: All right, let's put it all together. To write a solid personal statement, you should start with why you're interested in surgery, your personal successes, what you're looking for in a program, and your long-term goals. But most importantly, it should reflect who you are and tell your story. When it comes to letters of recommendation, it's best to ask early, send friendly reminders to your letter writers, and to include people who both know you and are leaders in their fields. We hope this episode has helped our listeners working on residency and fellowship applications and given anyone working on their personal statement some inspiration and motivation. Thank you once again to Drs. Hughes and Kwache for all your wonderful advice. Until next time, dominate the day.